0: For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com, then search for Resilience Unraveled. So let's get started. Enjoy the show. Hey, and welcome back to Resilience Unraveled. And um, it's been my pleasure over the course of many, many years to meet people with some of the most complicated names, the most difficult to pronounce names, the most challenging um, taxonomies and dichotomies and such like, if that's a word. And today I'm meeting Brian Smith. And you have no idea what a relief it is to have such a good name to be able to uh, introduce you to. So hi, Brian, how are you? I'm well, thank you, Russell. I'm detecting um, an accent from over the pond. So uh, where in the world are you? I am just outside of Chicago, Illinois, uh, in the United States. Fantastic. And um, how's life over there at the moment? We're we're experiencing hot heat, hot summers. It's absolutely marvelous. How's Chicago?
1: Um, Actually, it's been a little cool, but it's nice. And funny enough, I was in London a few weeks ago, and it was warm then, too. And it seemed like you all, uh, most of the people over there, enjoyed having a lot of sunshine.
0: Yeah, well, good job those Americans tell us that climate change doesn't exist, so we know this is just normal, so, you know, the fact that we're we're roasting at the moment is quite odd. Well, it's a delight to meet with you, so why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what it is that you do?
1: Um, Well, uh, I am the managing partner of IA Business Advisors, which is an international um, fractional C-suite Uh, or management consulting company. Um, I founded it in 1996. Um, I'm also an author of the I Am Team series. We have two books and uh, I'm a speaker. I speak around the world about leadership, uh, leadership development and culture development within uh, small and medium-sized organizations.
0: Okay, very good. Do you see that there's a difference in leadership between different sizes of organizations, uh, or even different sectors of organizations? Do you see the, do you see differences between those things?
1: Oh, most definitely. Um, you know, I think leadership is an evolution, and it's an evolution within the leader's area of influence, and how they pre- have prepared themselves to the point of becoming a leader, and then how they take that responsibility and evolve within the leadership as their organizations grow or shrink or change through time. So yeah, it's very different in, in all the different levels and within the different industries.
0: Yes, and you see, I agree with that. I think we spend far too much time listening to leadership lessons from those who've been at the top of organizations who are usually very large organizations. I mean, like Jack Welch, for example, You know, to think of no one. He just happened to look at his boot this morning. And just thinking, actually, for the vast majority of people, that I mean, it's good advice, but it doesn't really apply to a lot of people. It applies to some people, but not the vast majority, is not I just, I just wonder. There, there seems to be a, there seems to be a dearth of pragmatic middle, you know, middle size organizational leadership books. So yours is interesting. So, so how do you so how do you see the um, the role of a mid sized lead, a mid sized organizational leader? What, what do you think are the priorities?
1: well i think the number one priority is their people and that that transcends not just their people that are in their organization but their people that support them so on the vendor side and the customer side but at the end of the day being a leader is about the people and understanding what your responsibility is to each group of those people and within those groups there are even more refined groups i mean uh There's different departments or different areas of influence. And that can go also with our vendors, customers, or our teams. And I think when leaders understand the people, the rest starts to fall into place. And you can develop the processes and the technologies to support them. But without understanding the people, you can't have
0: the others. So um, it is interesting, isn't it? Because... um... I expected you to say process first, so you know I was quite surprised when you said people, because often it's management consultants who talk about process and finance. So, so what's led to this approach that it's people first?
1: Well, I started my career as an accountant, um, and uh, uh, it was back in the days when computerized accounting systems were being put on desktops, and obviously because I jumped into that world. Uh, I chose to focus on process and technology, and technology is going to change the world and, and is going to solve all these human problems. But what I learned was that it's people process, and technology and that every time we put a piece of technology on a desktop or we introduce a new process or business process or new policy, that rooted the what rooted the success was the people so it moved me towards uh adding to my education um i went back and, and got my doctorate in organizational psychology to help understand and to help build improvement management systems that used technology process uh, and policy as tools not as the foundation
0: yes interesting and and you know to roaming around your websites, um, it's quite interesting to see how many uh, references that there are to the word accountable, which I think is, is one of my pet things. And I just wondered what your view was. Obviously, you think accountability is important. So can you unpack the subject of this for us?
1: Yeah, well, I think that without accountability, it's difficult to be a leader um, or to uh, set expectations. Um, if you set expectations without offering Um, accountability positive uh, and learning accountability that it falls flat and to do that you have to be pretty smart about what um, you do and if you're smart and to us smart is literal it's the smart goal system is specific measurable attainable realistic and timely and if you Lead in a smart way, accountability falls out because people know what the expectations are. And when they know what they are, accountability is easy. Um, And it doesn't have to be a negative, it can always be a positive. You can show them what was missed, you can reintroduce them to whatever was missed to reach their goal or to finalize a tactic. And then you can help them to continue moving forward. And that's really what accountability should be is helping people to move forward, not hold them back or punish them.
0: Yeah. And I think it's learning from mistakes as well, isn't it? It's that thing about um, it's that thing about seeing accountability as a learning system. I think what people see accountability is a, a punitive concept. But it's like, it's like the word consequences, isn't it? When you talk about there will be consequences to your actions, people assume the negative, but very rarely say, oh, that would be exciting. And it's the same with accountability, isn't it? And I, and I think you're right. I think the fundamental building block of leader leadership is accountability because uh, without that, what, what I mean, what's the leader for? If they don't actually admit their mistakes and roll forward. I mean, board meetings just end up being punishment sessions, don't they? And I think it's it's one of the challenges in most small organizations. The that board meeting is either non-existent or it is a it's 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 a bunch of professional advisors not having a, a useful meeting. For me, the, the the way you scale organizations is to bring in really good board meeting structures. I wonder what you think about that.
1: Yeah, well, any good communication structure is going to move an organization forward, and when that communication structure is led. Uh, with smart discussions. And um, yes, they have agendas and we don't focus on what, as you just pointed out, the negative aspects of consequence or the negative aspects of accountability when there is a culture of positivity and accountability is always known to uh, be moving us in the direction that we intended to go. It's not intended to slow us down or be a speed bump it's intended to be a learning opportunity similarly consequences and consequences should be both positive and negative negative. and we shouldn't only celebrate accountability in a, in a negative way or, or consequences in a negative way we find ourselves as humans doing that all the time hmm. we should celebrate positive consequences and positive accountability what are the positives of it and when you do that in in boardrooms team meetings one-on-one communications you change the overall culture of an
0: organization and you get everybody swimming in the right direction it's a fascinating concept isn't it because a lot of people there's a sort of fit theory one of the big theories leadership I think is servant leadership has this idea that I got it wrong we got it right and um and I, I I find that difficult to take, actually, because I think it's we got it wrong and we got it right, or I got it wrong and I got it right. And I think I, I actually think this um, there's a sort of a toxic positivity that you can get in. Some organisations are so busy on the, the happy, clappy, rah, rah, it's all going to be great. You lose that sense of how you stretch people. And, and, and that thing about that expectation that some people can do more or can do better or can do differently. But if we don't have accountability, you never sort of discover that bit because we're all busy celebrating or criticizing. And and actually, I think consequences is different to accountability in a funny sort of way. It's almost like the accountability is the input to get the consequences, which are a different output. I don't know what you think.
1: Yeah, I I think there is a difference between being held accountable and suffering or celebrating the consequences. Being held accountable is understanding the the understanding the consequences of uh your actions both positive and negative and the consequences are the result accountability is an understanding and a learning opportunity and uh, they're very different but they're synergistic with each other almost all the time
0: you see and and i think this is really important because Uh, you talk on your website again about diagnosing what ails your business, which I think is a great phrase. But actually, if everyone's hiding, everyone's blaming everybody else, you can't find that bit. And actually, what you want to do is work with an organization sometimes that knows it's got a problem, doesn't know how to fix it. That's, That's a more fulfilling thing than an organization that doesn't know they've got a problem, thinks they're perfect. I mean, many times I'm called into organizations to work with a top team, and fix the organization. And of course we both know that it's always the top team. It's the problem. Uh, it's like when you have a misbehaving pet, it's, usually, it's nearly always the owner. So it's um, I'm interested in your thought then about um, how you diagnose what might tailor business. I'm guessing you've got some sort of process.
1: We do. We have a process uh, that we've had for 20 years plus called BizVision. It is a structured process. We follow a policy. And um, it's a narrative and a yes and no question session that walks the organization leaders and managers and employees through sharing with us uh, whatever aspect of the business we're we're diving into. It's, It's tailored to asking questions and making them be thoughtful and introspective about what's going on in their areas of influence and sharing that with us. And we map that out and it kind of draws a picture for us and allows us to um, find ourselves in the area of root cause and start to understand contextually the root causes of the issues that they feel out here somewhere um, uh, on the fringes of their company but it takes them through into a root cause. And it all, almost always eventually has one of the participants or many of our participants looking in the mirror and having an aha moment. We mm-hmm. often are told by our clients, just the process of answering your Q&A helped me contextualize and understand where I might be wrong and, and where the foundation of our problems are now, how do we move forward?
0: Yes. And that is very interesting listening to you talk about that, and knowing you've got a qualifications in organizational psychology, because it's extraordinarily Freudian approach. approach. It's, psycho, it's psychoanalytical um, process, really, isn't it? It's, it's quite interesting the way you're doing that. And of course, he used to observe the same thing. That was the questions that oh, were key to the soul, weren't they? And um, And it does make sense. I think organizations learn something, don't they? from the questions that are asked not just it's not the answers to the questions it's the questions themselves are the key aren't they almost
1: 100 percent of the time that's the feedback we get that yeah. your questions made me think deeper I never thought to pose a question to myself like you have asked us yeah. and I've, I've never thought to ask anybody in my organization that question mm. and um, we align that with assessments of those same people. Um, we use DISC and Colby in our BizVision process to help us understand even how people might approach those QA sessions and why they may choose or not choose to answer the way they do. It helps us to understand from a behavioral aspect um, how they interact within their areas of influence. And we add that information to the answers we get and to the interactions we get, to our overall analysis in in helping them become
0: uh, a more improved organization. Yeah, how fascinating. I like that. And, um, okay, um, so you mentioned the books earlier. You better tell us a little bit about those.
1: Yeah, so uh, back in uh, the mid-teens of 2000, so 14, 15, um, my daughter was finishing up... Uh, college. And she co-writes our book series with me. And she's an English major. And she asked permission to read my journals. I've been journaling. Uh, I journal every day for over 30 years. I have over a thousand journals. And she asked permission to dive into my journals. And she came to me and said, wow, there's just coupled with your belief in individualism and influence, we could write some books together, and uh, we did. And our books are about, well, the individual, us, but our definition of individual is much different. Uh, Russell, you and I together are individual right now bringing information to a group of individuals who together are an individual group of people that have an interest in the topics we're talking about. Companies are individual, made up of many Individuals. Um, They are groups of AR team, the accounting team, the marketing team. When they work together, they are individual. Uh, And so we talk about redefining individualism to mean one to many, depending on what your area of influence is, what you want to do with that influence. Um, Individualism can mean many different things. And then influence. Uh, our understanding of influence is this, we as humans begin to influence before we're even born. When our parents learned that we were going to be born, we were already influencing the lives of people and we hadn't even taken our first breath. And as humans, we influence our entire life. And that influence is amazingly important. And I think that humans take our influence for granted. I don't think we understand the influence and the power we have, no matter who we are, what station in life you have, what your job is. You influence people every day, and that's a huge responsibility. And our books are about understanding yourself, understanding your influence, bringing it together so that you can be the most positive influence that you or your organization can be in whatever area of influence you find yourself.
0: Hmm. What what would you say are the things that um, take away from influence? What are the things that detract or destroy or minimize their influence, would you say?
1: Well, I'm not sure there's anything that minimizes uh, it. Non-participation, I mean, not engaging. uh, but even not engaging has influence. Yeah. When, when, when people stop engaging with you, it has an influence on both yeah. of you. You lose out from the benefit of whatever topics you ceased to engage about, and the people that you were engaging with lose out on your contributions to whatever was happening prior to your disengagement. Um, if you're negative, uh, if you if you react negatively towards something and you talk over the top of people in an argument, you lose the opportunity of understanding contextually why the other person might be uh, upset or uh, you know have the emotions they have and whatever that engagement is about. So influence is multidimensional. And I'm not sure that there's such there's such thing as a takeaway or an add to as in understanding what level of influence you play at a particular moment and how, how to balance that and how to prioritize it and how to benefit from it in a positive way so that whatever that area of influence is, it moves you and everybody in the direction that is beneficial to everybody. And I know that's a lot to unpack, but it's really what, it's it's how we've written our books. The first book is about understanding how you are, who you are, and, and what your influence is, and, and getting some grasp as to uh, where you are currently and what that means. And then how to move that forward is the second book. How do you be the influence uh, in your life? How do you how do you make that a positive experience for you and for others? Yeah. So I know that was a long answer, Russell, but it's a
0: that actually was a very difficult question. Good. Um, I, and this, the reason I asked it is because I think there's a real dearth of insight and in, influence because I think we've got the Cialdini stuff, which we've always banged on about, which is a more of a, a marketing approach to apply to people. But I think there's something, there's a gap in the market, isn't there, about really. And I like your approach. Basically, it's about centering on yourself being being who you are and then and your point i think is really insightful about you're always influencing even if you're not it's a bit like having an organization culture you either have one you design the one you've got the one yet you've got by accident so influence is a bit like that isn't it i like i like that theory so where if you want to get our hands on the books where would you do that um
1: uh, over in the uk amazon is the best place uh um, it's I'm happy to say that uh, both our books have been international bestsellers because of the UK. Um and uh they're both available there. Barnes and Noble, if if I don't know if you have access to Barnes and Noble.
0: um Amazon's fine. Yeah. I think I think you just have to say the word Amazon these days and it's just sort of, you know, it's, it's like code word for, uh, all right, you know, as long as you're on Amazon, that's all that matters. And if we need to find out more about you, uh, Brian, uh, do you have a website? Do you have social media that people should follow?
1: Yeah, our website is iabusinessadvisors.com. And we have a publications page that's very insightful about our work, not just our books, but also the three to 400 blogs and articles yes. we've written. Uh, for uh, periodicals and magazines around the world. And then on social, um, the best place to follow us is at the I in Team series. And we're on LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Facebook. And the I in Team series um, is really the best place to to get our work, especially about influence and what our beliefs are about individualism and influence, and how it applies to each of us. Brilliant.
0: Well, look, it's been an absolute blast talking today. I really enjoyed it, and I'm off to I'm off to have a look at the Amazon and purchase a copy. So that's really good. So uh, Brian, thanks very much for, for spending time with us today. It's Brian Smith. The website was iabusinessadvisors.com. And unusually, the advisors are spelt with an S. I'm just going to say how marvelous that is to see the correct spelling, just saying. And uh, books are available on Amazon. So thank you for spending time with us today, Brian. It's been a blast. Thank you so much. Thank you, Russell. You take care. You too. Hi, everybody. I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed, and if you're in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links.